0: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello and welcome to Lucha of the Hidden Temple for the week of February 17th, 2015. My name is Dr. Nove, and this is your VoicesOfWrestling.com Lucha Underground review with bookend main events this week. So you remember that awesome story that Lucha Underground started telling right from the beginning of the series with Chavo Guerrero and how he comes out and he's a face but he immediately turns heel against Blue Demon Jr. And then he steals the glory of exiling Blue Demon Jr. away from Mil Muertes, and thus incites the rage of Mil Muertes against Chavo, and sort of establishes Chavo as this man who is willing to be completely reviled, but he's also going to one day have his day with Mil Muertes, and Mil Muertes is going to pay this all off, and we got told this was going to happen next week, and you thought that this was really going to matter initially, right? Eh, it didn't matter so much, did it? Mil Muertes hasn't really mattered. And this is our last episode with Chavo, at least for a while, is my reading of this week's episode. And the whole thing's been really a ho-hum storyline. It's a bummer to see this storyline really clo- come to a close. And this is the first one that we've had in Lucha Underground that has bookended, not like a bookend main event, but actually has an end. Chavo leaves the company this week. And... This story wasn't very satisfactory, and Mill's not any better for it, and Chava's not any better for it, and it's a real question of what was the point of all of this? That sucks, and this match. Between Chavo and Mil, there's nothing to write home about. There's no clean finish. What happens during this match? Well, midway through this match, Katrina shows up with some sort of black rock that Mil Muertes falls around like an idiot, completely enamored by. And Okay, fine. So Chavo goes out and he grabs a chair and he hits Mil Muertes with a chair, getting himself disqualified because he just blatantly hits Mil Muertes with a chair. I mean, I, I, the point is that Chavo concluded that he couldn't beat Mil Muertes and so he was going to... Just get himself disqualified, but okay. I want Mill to beat Chavo decisively and have his revenge. And you can go, oh, but Chris, Mill had his revenge. He flatlines Chavo into the chair. It's not the same thing. Mill needs a win. Mill lost to Phoenix. You might not remember that because that happened like two weeks ago in another bookend main event, the wrong bookend. And... Speaking of Phoenix, he's going to show up after Katrina gets beckoned in the ring by Mill because Mill wants Katrina to give the lick of death, and he grabs Katrina by the throat, and he threatens to flatline her. That's what we get kind of teased to the crowd here. The crowd is against this, even though Katrina is actually kind of a shitty person, and she's making both Mill and Phoenix look like they're pawns in this game that she is playing, let's get past that so she is about to get flatlined by Mil Muertes Phoenix runs in makes the save gets Katrina out of the ring Katrina looks at Mill as she kisses Phoenix that's always a good feeling I'm sure any guy can relate to that right you know if you're making out with a girl you really want her to be staring across the room at another guy there's nothing hotter than that nothing more empowering than that And that's the end of this segment. So who looks cool here? Not Mill, not Phoenix. And I guess if you're going to make Katrina a central character, okay, fine. Maybe she is a power broker in this series. And that wouldn't be horrible, except that I don't think she's very good at doing the manager stuff, like grabbing the leg and actually interfering and all of that. When she did that initially with Mil Muertes, it was pretty shitty, like she was new to it. So I don't like her in that capacity, and I wasn't really crazy about this storyline or really anything that's going on in this storyline. It's disappointing. You, you know, I like this series. I just can't give this the thumbs up. Next, we move into the Black Lotus break-in, and frankly, we need to move the storyline around. a little even move it a little bit faster than this. She breaks into... The Hidden Temple at one point, and then after that, we get another cutaway scene where she is confronting Matanza, and she says, "When I was a young girl, all I dreamed about was being the man who kills Matanza." or kills you, and we're assuming she's talking to Matanza. We don't know if she wants to kill him now, or if she has some other plan for him, or if maybe she now understands that Matanza is not a bad man, but actually a trapped man, and just an instrument of destruction being held by Cueto. I, you know, there's different angles. There's different ways that can go with this. After this, we get Dario Queto with the crew. He's very pleased with the crew, and he is going to tell his grandkids about the blinding of Big Rick. Why? Why? Well, whatever. Okay, I get it. I get it. It's just a weird line. If you thought about it when you write it out there, why would Dario Cueto tell his grandkids about this in any capacity unless you want to just mortify it? So one time, when I was a horrible man, I blinded this giant thug that I hired because I didn't like him. And actually, I didn't even blind him. I just had the three guys that he ended up hiring. Well, they blinded him, and that impressed me so much that I hired... I don't even really know how I play into this story, grandson. I love you so much. Let's go to the Hidden Temple. It's weird. Anyways, we move on after that to East and Angelico. This is another match in this feud which is a dumb feud and I don't like this feud very much either uh the crowd has a weird sort of uh what's the word I'm looking for psychology for what they approve of with men forcing themselves on women and what they don't approve of and I'm talking about inside of this this entire taping what do I mean I mean Mil Muertes Going after Katrina, the manipulative bitch. Let's let's call her what she is. She's trying to play Phoenix, and she's trying to play Mill. And you know, there should be some sort of comeuppance if you're going to turn her heel like that, or if you're going to make her the centerpiece in the puppet master. I, and this is why I don't like her in this capacity. Because like, what do you want? What do you want to have happen? Her get five across the eyes? Ew. And now you've got Ivelisse in this match with Angelico. Angelico is going to be sort of dismissive and not go full out on Ivelisse, which dismisses her talents in one way. And then you have the crowd, who's actually kind of cool, with Angelico trying to force a kiss on a girl who has a boyfriend, and her boyfriend's right there. Now, the only part of that I don't have a problem with is, yeah, it makes Son of Havoc look more like a loser, and that is sort of the point of this storyline, that Son of Havoc's sort of a chump who can't stand up for himself. And East, I don't know, like, I, is she the jerk, or is Angelico the jerk? Because he's the guy trying to steal Son of Havoc's girlfriend, and all Son of Havoc's been trying to do is prove himself, and he just keeps coming up short. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird match. It's a weird angle. I don't really know who to feel sympathetic for. Or should I feel sympathetic for Eva Leese, who's here to prove that she is the baddest bitch in this building? She can't ever get any real female competition, which is just kind of annoying. Not that I want to see her in sexy star wrestle every week, but we got four women on this fucking show, and only two of them are actually in ring talents. The other two, Katrina and Black Lotus, they're just. Black Lotus is. Well, I guess she's not just restricted entirely to cutaways, but she sometimes is just hanging around the temple and we never really had to pay off for that, and she didn't end up managing Pentagon Jr., and, uh, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, meanwhile, on commentary, Matt, Matt Stryker, he, he did it again, too, this week. I didn't write it down. Why didn't I write it down? He made another sort of I'm not misogynist sort of comment, and th- that's on top of this comment that he made during this match of quote, that gender equality stuff, and then during a front-and-chest bump that Evilise takes, He goes, oh, it's about a $12,000 fall, if you know what I mean. Yes, very funny, Matt. Very funny. You nailed there, Or maybe you didn't, and that's the problem. After that, we get a cool interview with Vampiro and Tejano that I liked, and I thought made Vampiro look really good and... I like Vampiro in the backstage role. Even though there was that one interview that like was just like a bunch of fucking questions that were non sequiturs that like I quoted because I wanted to illustrate the Vampiro's interview and the edit style of the show made no fucking sense. Even though that wasn't good, I like the fact that Vampiro can switch it between English and Spanish. And I think that he acquits himself very well in Spanish. He's comfortable in Spanish and It's good because once you get familiar with how Vampiro speaks English, you can follow him a little bit better. You build this familiarity with the guy. And I thought that this interview with Tejano was, given the storyline, which I also am not a big fan of right now. God, I feel bad, but it's just like shit, shit, shit this week. Given the storyline that he has to work with, I think this is fine. What's my problem with the storyline? We went over it last week, but I'll bring it up here again. Tajano says during this interview he's only here to fight El Patron. Why? Because he feuds with AAA. A? So what? I gotta go back and fucking watch AAA. A? Fuck you. I don't want to do homework. I want to watch this goddamn show. If you want anything you want me to know, I need to see it on this screen. And frankly, I'm not even necessarily interested in whatever Patron and Tejano's baggage is over in AAA. A. I want to see them in fresh angles, and if you want to keep them as adversaries, I'm all about that. If you want to flip the face and heel rolls, I'm all about that. Keep them adversaries, make this a parallel universe to play in. I think that's a way more interesting role than saying, hey, we're bringing the top card feud from AAA right into here, and we're just doing it, only we're doing it in Lucha Underground. I get the allure of that but Lucha Underground needs to be a parallel universe. How does Tejano play into Queto And, oh, by the way, Vampiro, I kind of want to hear you ask those questions and, and, and the people who are writing for Vampiro. I, I want Vampiro to go, hey, Tejano, who brought you in? Why did Dario Cueto bring you in? How did you get a hold of Dario Cueto? These are things that expand the universe and help me understand what we're working with here. We got the first little tease of maybe Dario Cueto's not such a bad dude here. Did you catch this? Not the cocaine thing last week. Wait, why would that make him not a bad dude? No. Anyways, we have this whole thing with Cage and Cueto. So let's, let's recap this. Cage runs in, and he says he wants to be the champion and Dario Cueto's like, you know what, dude? You got everything I want in my champion. Maybe you're not very good with working with the other talents. But in terms of you doing your fucking shit, you're really good at it, dude. And next week, you're going to have a non-title match with Prince Puma. If you win that, there's no doubt you're number one contender. You're going to have a match. Cage goes, you better get me a real title, not this Aztec piece of crap, and throws it onto the desk. Dario Cueto looks concerned which is really interesting, and he says at the end of this whole thing, the gods are not going to be pleased. In the second half of this segment, Chavo comes in, and he tells Dario to call Mexico, presumably all of it, and tell them they got what they wanted, he's fucking gone, and Cueto wishes him the best in his future endeavors, which is funny, and I think like a little jab at WWE. I enjoyed that, even though it's just HR speak, too. But one last thing in this segment that I found interesting when I was going back and rewatching. So Queto's writing in this notebook, right? And at the top of the notebook, or the top of the page he's writing on, it says Tactus. And there's another word that's like D-H-U-R-M. If you've got any idea what that means or what that translates to that makes sense and is in a romance language... I'd be interested to hear it, but tactus in Latin means touch or influence, so is this Dario appointment? appointments? I don't know, I'd be really, really interested to hear what people think about this, it's just a weird detail, but these are the sorts of details I expect to actually matter in this series, which is a nod to the quality of writing that they can do, even if they can botch storylines, I think that this show is good at attention to detail, and these cutaway scenes are usually pretty darn good. Dario Cueto told the crew earlier after he commended them that about the grandkids and blinding Big Rick that they were going to have a main event match. And their main event match is against three people who should never have been in this company in the first place. So why are they fucking there? And that's Pimpy, Masky, and Sexy. And cool, they're going to have this match. And here's how this match goes down. Pimpy, who did not bring his A-game to this match, he didn't, he didn't, and he should have realized this should have been the psychology of Pimpy should have realized that he was coming down the ring, and he's a fully grown adult male, albeit, you know, potentially of a questionable sexuality, not a questionable, but of an alternative to heterosexuality, right? So he's an adult male. He needs to look over his partners and realize that they're not fully grown adult males. So those other two are, one's an adult male and one's fully grown, but he's got a fully grown adult male if you combine the two of them together. Pimpy's at a disadvantage. So Pimpy should not have opened up this match with the baso. And actually I would have kind of been able to get behind Pimpy's character a lot more if we saw fire. Like Pimpy for about, I don't know, a minute is a house of fire, and he's drop kicking everybody and we see finally that this guy's actually a credible luchador. That would have done wonders for him. Instead, what do we get? The same fucking, I'm going to force myself on you and kiss you. And this goes back to the whole force, fucking sexual interaction thing. Although it's, like, reversed this time. And okay, yeah, it's a face trying to kiss a heel and it makes them... Okay, I I, I get There's different arguments, right? But really, you know, you're Cortez Castro. Pretend you're the character and some dude's trying to kiss you. Just pretend some dude's trying to kiss you. And if you like dudes kissing you, that's fine. Pretend that... I don't know, some <laughs> a rhino's trying to kiss you. I don't know, something's not. Like, Pretend something's trying to kiss you that you don't want it to kiss you, right? Uh, and what are you going to do? You're punching punch in the fucking face. Can you really blame Cortez Castro for doing that? So Pimpy's going to get the shit kicked out of him, and then after he gets the shit kicked out of him, in comes Maskey. Maskey's going to get the shit kicked out of him after a couple of obligatory high spots, and then it's down to Sexy and the crew. And, you know, at this point, this match is going to go one of two ways. One, Sexy's going to get the shit kicked out of her and the crew is going to pin her. Or, Sexy's going to get the shit kicked out of her and Big Rick is going to make the save. It turns out to be the latter. And, what ends up happening is Sexy gets the WWF distraction roll-up finish on one member of the crew. While the other two are dumbfounded that a man could possibly come out and down a stairwell and be alive. Because they didn't kill him. So dumb. I I hate these roll-up finishes. And there you go. Big Rick is back. I do like the shaving of the beard. I like the eye patch. It is a complete gimmick change. I think that's nice when you're changing someone from heel to face to be able to actually get rid of his heel beard, bring in the baby face, but you introduce the eye patch so he's like a different man. It's fun. I, I think that they've done good stuff with Ezekiel Jackson and last week I talked about taking the WWF Misfit toys and running with it and I think that by and large Lucha Underground is doing good stuff with that. There is however the matter of one Misfit toy that I hope that Lucha Underground doesn't Pick up and run with. And that's a man named Vincent Salvatore Russo. Go to Voicesofwrestling.com for all of our great written content, and please be sure to write the show in iTunes Review. You'll be helping not just this show, but all of the great shows on the Voicesofwrestling.com podcast feed. I want to thank you all so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at chrisnovembrino. Until the next one, cheers. Interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Kuhn, on Total Engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.